live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Not so fast. Welcome to the Jordy Holtberg Show, minus Jordy Holtberg. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez here. The NFL draft was... I don't know, about 17 hours ago. And the Saints hit it out of the park. Out of the park. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about who else hit it out of the park in the NFL draft last night. Pelicans falling short of a a new goal that they had set for themselves. uh, Falling to the Phoenix Suns last night to... Eventually lose the series four games to two. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about LSU baseball playing Georgia this weekend in Alex Box. We'll even cover some Cajuns. They're in beautiful Boone, North Carolina to take on App State. All that and so much more. The game hotline is open. 706-0111 if you want to call in to discuss the draft, LSU, Cajuns, whatever it may be. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. The producer extraordinaire pushing all the buttons, making sure the next four hours are going to run smoothly for us. Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, buddy. Afternoon. What's going on? Not too much. I just secured somebody for five thirty. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, who, who who you got for me? Got Luke Johnson. Luke Johnson. All right. So you, you're got you're hearing the the live updates. You're, just, you're you're getting the process as we get along. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, like I said, Matt Miguez filling in for Jordy Holtberg. James, let let's start with the draft. I knew going into it that it was going to be a crazy, unpredictable NFL draft. I'm so happy there were so many trades. Seeing seeing the wide receivers get traded that were already established was pretty great, too. Marquise Brown came way out of left field for me. After, after, well, for me, too, no doubt. But once I got an explanation... It started to make a lot more sense. The The Ravens still need a wide receiver. I feel like they definitely need to put themselves in position to try and get Debo now. Yeah. But if that's the case... You see, out of all the receivers that got traded, even the two that, that are established, I'm surprised Debo didn't go anywhere last night. Well, I kind of I kind of had a feeling that would be the case because they weren't... If it was going to be anybody, it would have been the Jets. So once the Jets made that pick, I knew it was over. I knew Debo wasn't going to get traded at that point. Right. Because nobody else was willing to put it up. And I don't think the Jets or the, the 49ers would have wanted to 
trade for any other position in the draft. But they also don't really want to have to get rid of him if they don't have to. Yeah, they don't feel true. like they don't feel like they have to get rid of him. They feel like they could still make things up and mend those wounds. That's true. With Debo. That's that's very true. That's very true. Um I've got an article here from CBS Sports that we'll go through here in a minute and it's the ja- it's the draft grades. They're going to grade each pick. Um and just to the first A doesn't come until pick number 5 with Kayvon Thibodeau. So that'll be interesting. Um, shockingly, they ruled Chris Olave a C plus. That's a little strange. That is a masterful pick for the Saints. You get a re- you get a speedy deep threat receiver, which is what you have been lacking really since Brandon Cooks left. And all you gave up was a third and a fourth when in all likelihood you're probably going to get those back today wide receivers were falling off the board left and right it, once Garrett Wilson went it was a matter of time before Chris Olave was going and he just so happened to be the next pick it was um, it was only a matter of time if Washington wouldn't have taken him um who was who was at twelve? The the Lions would have. Yeah, the Lions traded up to twelve. They they ended up taking Jamison Williams, but I guarantee you, if we wouldn't have taken Chris Olave, they'd have taken Chris Olave. And then Jamison Williams probably would have gone to the Eagles at thirteen. Yeah, then they wouldn't have had to trade it for AJ Brown, which was another pretty crazy trade. Right. Yeah, that was that was wild. Um, yeah, I, I actually did pretty well. With yeah, that mock draft, you, you weren't you weren't bad you weren't bad off. You I, really weren't. I mean, would you count? I I didn't get that. I didn't get the Lions getting Lewisine, but I said Lewisine would be the last the last pick. pick. Yeah, I mean, you you can't you can't determine. Sometimes I mean, you, I kind of look at it as if he, coming. Yeah, I I don't know who where exactly people are gonna trade. Cole Strange, that came out of nowhere. That was that one was I'm, out of left. I'm field. not even gonna lie to you. When they said that, I said who? I I looked. I was like. I don't even know who that is. Who, who, who is that? I don't even. Uh, that's the the Patriots pulled the Saints last year, from yeah. last year to this year. You are you are not you are not lying. Um, so uh, outside of the obvious, we know that the Saints did well. Yes. Um, and then we know that the Jags, not the Jags, the Jets did incredibly well. Actually, the the Jags didn't do. I still Horribly. I still prefer Aiden over oh, Trayvon. Yeah. Tray Trayvon, I I I don't like Trayvon Walker. Um I don't think that he's this otherworldly talent like like some people tend to believe. Um I, I think he's a good player. Was he a number one overall pick? No. I don't care how fast he was shooting up boards, he's not a number one pick. Aiden Hutchinson is a bona fide number one overall pick. That kid is going to tear quarterbacks apart for 15 years. Kenny Pickett also being the only QB taken off the board. Not surprised. I'm not. I'm happy. I and and to be to be 100% frank, I'm happy that he went to Pittsburgh. That's a great fit for him. I mean, I was literally, I was literally telling my fiance this last night. 
He's literally going to play his home games in the same stadium that he played his home games at Pitt. All he has to do is go one locker room down the hall. All he has to do is just put on a different jersey. Right. He's got to move one locker room down and then put on a different uniform. That's it. And it made a lot of sense that the Pittsburgh Steelers were the only team that really needed a quarterback. Yeah, because they're the only ones that were desperate. Because I, I said the Falcons of the Panthers, but they aren't like. But then again, desperate. You, you, you say you say Pittsburgh's desperate. I mean, say what you want about Mitch Trubisky. But I, mean, I mean, he took he took the Bears with Matt Nagy as the head coach. They went to the playoffs that yeah. one time. So I mean, say, that's say impressive. What you want, but but for you to put all your faith in him right. when you could definitely grab somebody. And your backup option would be Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, they've played him in plenty of games, but he's not improved. He's been terrible every time. He's he's never, to me, he's never shown any real flashes of him being a competent NFL quarterback that could start. Right. He's going to be a career backup and journeyman, if he even lasts five more years, which I, I see him out of here. You're talking about Trubisky? No, I'm talking about Rudolph. Oh, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've already gotten rid of Duck Hodges. He's already gone. Right. Because he was absolutely horrendous. Right. But getting Kenny Pickett and making this, I would say, a two-man race now. That way they do have a competition, not just be like, all right, Trubisky, you got the job. Now now he's got to earn it. You know what I mean? Now you got to earn and prove why you should be, why you took the year off and why you should be the Pittsburgh Steelers' next starting quarterback. Right. So, breaking news... From Major League Baseball, as I find further detail, I, I will I will share. Los Angeles Dodgers starting pitcher Trevor Bauer has received a 324 game suspension for a sexual misconduct allegation that ensued a lengthy court battle. Um, according to multiple reports, he was proven innocent. But that doesn't that doesn't free you from punishment from the league, aka Alvin Kamara. So that is going to be the next two years. The next two years. Two years. The end of this Unless, season. all from, the next season, and then probably the next, the first fifteen. Well, from from what I'm so three hundred twenty four is two years of regular season play. Yes. However, from what I'm understanding, if the Dodgers make the playoffs, playoff games are going to count towards his suspension. Okay, so they could potentially so if it, they make it to the to the finals or not the finals, but like you know what I mean, the, right? If, if, the you, if you finals. if you stretch it out, I think the most games you can play in a year is one ninety. So so yeah, because baseball the first round is five. Let's say, but like. Let's say they play in the tur- the the play in, so that's a three game series. Card. Yeah, no wild card is just one game. Oh yeah, it's just a one game thing. All right, so play so one sixty three, five games in the first round, so one sixty eight, and then seven, and then seven. So that's twenty more games. So one eighty, one eighty two, and they played fifteen so far. Correct. So if the Dodgers make the playoffs, the following season he could play in that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, 324-game suspension. Massive news. 
That is that is that is massive big. news, considering he's one of the Dodgers' best pitchers. That's that's major, major news. Timeout number one of the show. When we return here on the Jordy Holberg Show, Christopher Dunnels of Canal Street Chronicles will join us to talk about those two draft picks that the Saints made last night and what their plans are today and tomorrow. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041. Lake Charles. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Jordy Holtberg Show, Matt Miguez, producer extraordinaire James Mesh. We're going to dive deeper into the NFL draft and, and more importantly, the, the two selections for the New Orleans Saints. But before we do that, don't forget to go answer our poll question of the day on Twitter, which is NFL draft related, obviously. What is your favorite draft snack? Everybody likes to eat, have draft parties, stuff like that. What's your favorite snack to have at a draft party? Is it wings? Is it nachos? Is it chips and dip? Is it other? Is there something you know we're not thinking of? Are you a charcuterie board person? You know, are are, are you bougie like that? I'm not bougie like that. Grapes and cheese. Hey, I mean, to each their own. I, I'm a wings and nachos guy, but you know, everybody everybody's got their own personal preference. So, uh, Steve Flint is already chiming in. What does any self-respecting resident of Louisiana eat at a gathering? Crawfish. You know, uh, the the idea of eating crawfish for the draft is, is growing on me. I mean, the Saints do a draft crawfish boil every year. It's the Saturday of the draft every year. It's $30 a ticket. Uh, you get five pounds, and I think it comes with two drinks. So, I mean, not a bad deal. I mean, it's kind of rough for us because you have to drive all the way to New Orleans. but And then it's at the facility, so that's kind of cool. James, what would be your go-to draft snack? You can never go wrong with a good old burger. A burger? Okay. I'm a big burger guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all right with burgers. I just, for some reason, when I, when I think of sports parties, I just think of like, bite-sized finger foods. So I mean, if, I mean, if you want to make if you want to make some little sliders, you know, I'll go with that. But just like a big juicy meaty burger, one not while I'm I just chomp on that the whole time. Right. That's fair. That's fair. 
Um, I mean, if I get little finger sandwiches, I mean, I'm going to knock those out ooh, like bruh. in two seconds. But like just having a nice, nice old burger like at a restaurant while I'm watching. There is there is a particular Louisiana grocery store chain. I'm going to take Louis Prejean's advice. No free ads. Um, They have a finger sandwich platter that they sell. And oh, man, it is delicious. Enough about food. Don't make me hungry. NFL draft. Let's let's go through this article. Um, we're gonna go through each pick. I'm gonna read you the grade, and you tell me if you agree with it or not. Jaguars take Trayvon Walker. The grade assessed is a B minus. Then you have the Jags with Aiden Hutchinson, a B plus. Nope. I gotta give that at least an A. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a home run draft pick. Like the fact that you stole him at two. Right, right. So now, and and people people oh you know one and two, there's not a big difference. Well, not really, except for the fact that you could pay him probably four million dollars less. It's like it's like it's like golf tournaments. Look at the Masters. You win the Masters, winner gets what two and. Two point three million or something like that. Second place. It's like what? It falls. It falls to a mil. Oh, there's a big jump between one and two. But that's fifty percent. Well, right. So it, it's a similar concept. You could probably pay him four million dollars less for being number two. Number three, Derek Stingley Jr. going to the Texans. That's a B. Nope. I've always believed he was really good. I just thought he would be a little. He would be around the five to seven range because people I guess were scared of the injury, but the fact that he had the really good pro day and just looking at his film, I, I gotta believe that's at the lowest yep. in A minus. I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh I was surprised that he went top three, but at the same time I wasn't. Because he's got that talent level. He's got He deserves it, but right. I wasn't I I wasn't expecting I wasn't him ex- to actually for them right. to do it because you look at the history there's only been five or six corners taken in the top five, and the fact that there were two up, two of them, and it was at three and four, and there was only one guy previously at three. By the way, before we talk about this next guy, actually, let's do Jets take Sauce Gardner in a B plus. Nope, gotta be at least an A minus, because a lot of people believed he was the number one can overall we, corner. Can we talk about that dude's chain? Did you see his chain? I didn't like focus on it. Oh my God! What I what I saw was him go the wrong way. That was hilarious. That was funny. That was hilarious. But no, dude, he wore a chain last night, and it was a gold chain with diamonds everywhere. Oh yeah, and it's and it, and says, it says sauce. Sauce. And then he has another one that has a sauce bottle. Right, dude. Love that it. thing. That thing was glorious. That looks amazing. Real diamonds, fake diamonds. How much do you think you paid for that? That probably wasn't cheap. No, got to be six figures. That probably wasn't cheap. Anyways, Kayvon Thibodeau going fifth to the Giants, and they have it as an A. Panthers taking Equanu, B+. That's that's fair. Evan Neal going to the Giants, and that's an A. How about Drake London going to the Falcons? Really surprised me, by the way. Uh, B-. I wasn't surprised that he was the first off the board. A lot of people were talking about it. 
even you, well, you even saw one guy put him Drake London as the number two overall. Pick. I wasn't surprised that he was the first receiver taken. I'm surprised Atlanta went that route. Yeah, I mean they definitely could use another receiver. I I thought getting a quarterback could happen, but it to me make it makes more sense to get the receiver. Let them develop and then grab the young QB. Let them sit for a year, yep. and then that way your receiver is like ready to go. They're already good. They just need the QB, and the QB, if they're talented enough, that's when you explode, and then that's when you make the run of trying to get a right. championship because once you have to pay that QB, that's pretty. That's often when you're done for. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. The Seahawks take Charles Cross. That's a B. Nope. I feel like that should be a B plus, A minus. Yeah. The Jets take Garrett Wilson. That's an A. Yeah. Saints take Chris Lave, C plus. Nope. Yeah, that's that's an A. That's an A. That's an A. Come on. Maybe a B plus, but up there for sure. Uh, Lions take Jamison Williams. That's a B. Nope. Jamison Williams. If he didn't get injured, he'd be the number oh, he's, one. He's, he's the best receiver in the draft. He yeah. is. He'd have been the he first is. one off. Like a, a B is. To me, that's too modest. Um, others of note, because there's no way we're going to get through all 32. Uh, the Ravens take Kyle Hamilton. Was given a grade of B minus. Nope. People, people are just hating on that, on that 40 time, man. Look at the film. Look at it. Oh, I'm with you. He's just like Marcus Williams, but I bet he's a better tackler. So the fact, so to me. The fact that he fell this far and he was the number one rated safety and his talent was arguably second or third. And the fact that you got him at 14 is a steal. Andrew Terrio is listening because he just commented on Facebook. It says, CBS Sports are New York homers. Why even read their crap? Of, of, of us grading the their picks? Of us saying like, oh, we think that like their picks are an A or B. I'm confused because do you think they suck? Because <laughs> I, th- those are really good players that they picked at nice positions. The fact that Kayvon was the number two rated edge rusher by most people and you got him at five, I mean, it's pretty good. You got Sauce Gardner, arguably the best corner in the draft. It's pretty good. The Titans take Traylon Burks. It's a C plus. Nope. I really like Traylon. Yeah. I like him more than Jahan Dotson and George Pickens. Yeah. No, so I, I feel like he should be the number five. And the fact that he was rated as six, seven, eight. The Saints take Trevor Pinning. They gave it a B minus. Nope. I think. Well. No, nah, dude. No. Well, no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Let me tell you something. This day and age, the NFL draft is all about your relative athletic score. Okay? And it measures 40 bench press, height, weight, hand size, all of it, right? According to the Saints, now this I read I got I got a statistic. The Saints have measured 1218 offensive tackles. Since 1997, according to the relative athletic score scale, which is 0 to 10 scale, Trevor Penning was given a 9.95 out of 10, which ranks 7th 
in the last 25 years. You you said it was a B minus. They rated it a B minus. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I definitely see it as a as a B plus A minus. He is. He is considered a. He has great size. He has. Ex, he has good explosion. He has great agility. And then the Saints ranked him with elite speed. And he's. And he's an aggressive tackle. You saw the film that they oh, put God. on. Oh God! Oh, he's scary. They're they're gonna have to they're gonna have to trim him. They're gonna have to teach him to you know kind of let up when the whistle blows. I like I, I, I like I like when my O line. Oh, I mean. like I like the aggression too. But at the same time, I don't like getting fifteen yard penalties. I was that gonna are, say we don't need are a, avoidable. We don't need a Michael Orr in right. high school after the whistle we, blows and bring him to the bus. Yeah, where are you taking that kid to the bus? It's time for him to go home. Um, Kenny Pickett gets an A. I mean, I like the pick, but nope. Re- an A? I say B. Quay Walker gets an A. Um, let's hey, see. Yeah. Jermaine Johnson gets an A, obviously. Hey, yeah. Cole Strange gets a C. Hey, yeah. Um, and Lewis Seen gets a B plus. So, that's your CBS Sports draft grade tracker. Round two starts at six tonight. Six. I think it's seven again. Seven again. Yeah. Okay. And then they start round four. It's at like, seven. It's at, at 11. like eleven. Yeah. yeah it it's an 11, it's an all day affair tomorrow. But uh, we'll have you covered. We'll we'll take care of you in terms of draft information right here on the game. You can check our website for draft updates throughout the weekend. Let's take a time out. When we return, we'll talk some LSU baseball and get you set for their series with Georgia. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU Tigers will take on the Georgia Bulldog at Alex Box Stadium for a three-game series between a pair of top 20 ranked mat, mat top 20 ranked programs. First pitch from Baton Rouge is set for 6:30, and you can hear it right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, welcome back to the Hort, the Jordy Holtberg Show. Speaking of LSU baseball. Falling to UNO earlier this week, looking to rebound against a really good Georgia baseball club. Here to talk about it is the LSU radio color commentator slash the voice of Alex Box Stadium, Mr. Bill Frankes. Bill, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. Doing well. Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to a, a big weekend here in Baton Rouge. Got a, <clears throat> in fact, I'm on campus right now. A lot of RVs pulling in. Uh, not only do we have baseball this weekend, of course, is the, the Garth, Brooks, Garth Brooks concert as it's here in Tiger Stadium tomorrow night. The people are already arriving for that as well. So, looking for a lot of activity uh, <clears throat> here on campus this weekend. 
Yeah, you know, I was looking at that. You have the you have the baseball series. You have Garth. Isn't LSU hosting a track meet this weekend? Also, yeah, yeah, track uh-huh. meet going on uh, at Bernie Moore Stadium, which is right next, right across the street from Tiger Stadium. And then we also have a, a big softball series as well. LSU's playing host to Florida this weekend in softball. So yeah, we're gonna, our uh, our traffic engineer is going to be pretty busy. Over the next couple of days, yeah, as as we'll, really, we're, we're, it's really going to be just very much like a typical LSU football weekend with all the activity and with the amount of people we're expecting on campus. Yeah, as as will your your sports communications department. Yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, headache. Definitely. We're going to be uh, we're going to be stretched thin this weekend for sure. Bill, let's dive into it. You know that that loss to UNO. You know, if, if you if you avoid those those two big four run innings, that game is probably a much different story. How yeah. how do the Tigers you know use that performance maybe as some motivation to rebound this weekend? Yeah, I, I think I think they definitely can. You know, Coach Johnson uh, after the game Tuesday and then again yesterday when he met with the media just expressed some disappointment about how different that game could have been just with a couple of defensive plays simply. A simple task like uh, failing to overthrow, uh, failing to throw to a cutoff man, and overthrowing a cutoff man, he felt like led to a couple of uh, extra UNO runs. Of course, the, there was a, an error involved as well. So, uh, you know, he feels like that uh, uh, playing smarter, the LSU perhaps could have uh, changed the way that game uh, flowed because once we got into that hole, it kind of UNO was uh, or once we were, and we weren't able to expand on our lead. We allowed UNO to take the lead. That kind of changed the way they were able to, to line up their pitching and their kid, uh, Bo Blanchard, uh, pitched the game of his life. Had a career game, and uh, I think our guys got a little impatient. Uh, they 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 uh, strayed away from the plan that they were supposed to adhere to, and just it was not a good night for the Tigers. But all credit to UNO, they played very well. Uh, Blake Dean is a former LSU player who's the coach there. He's done a very nice job with that program. And yeah, it was a setback. And uh, hopefully LSU can use it as motivation this weekend because they'll need to. Uh, Georgia has a very good club. Uh, they're ranked as high as number 11 in the nation. But if you look at the NCAA RPI rankings, uh, Georgia is ranked number four. So they, they've played a very good schedule, uh, both obviously within the SEC and outside of the conference. They have a lot of very talented ball players. So it's going to be a big challenge this weekend. Bill Frank, as the voice of Alex Box Stadium, is our guest. Bill, talk to me about Georgia. Twenty nine and twelve on the year. They're doing eleven and seven so far in the SEC. Looking at their statistics, right. that seems like they swing the bat pretty well. Uh, yeah. Could could you say that this would be a pretty offensive heavy matchup this weekend? I think that's possible. Uh, you know, if you look at the numbers, you definitely would think so. Uh, LSU is number four in the SEC in team batting average, and the Tigers have been are, are in the top two in virtually every other offensive category. Tennessee, Tennessee, who's having an amazing year, is number one in just about every offensive category, but LSU is right behind Tennessee in most of those. Georgia, however, you, you look down at the uh, the team batting averages. I mean, excuse me, the team ERAs. Georgia's pitching staff has the second worst. ERA in the SEC, but it may be a little misleading because they also have maybe the best pitcher in the SEC, a kid by the name of Jonathan Cannon. He's going to be starting the game tomorrow. He's a big six foot six right hander, has an ERA of one point five five, a 
opponent batting average of 157. Uh, he, he's a dominant, surefire future major league pitcher. So the fact that Georgia as a team has a has the second worst ERA in the uh, SEC may be mitigated a little bit by the fact they have this ace cannon going tomorrow, and they have. I mean, and, and University of Georgia always has good ball players, and they have enough good arms where they can still create problems uh, with their bullpen. So, yeah, I think on paper it, it, it does have that potential where both LSU and Georgia have strong offenses. Georgia, on paper, does not have a, a, a great pitching staff aside from Cannon. So, uh, you know, that that could be that could be a factor. And LSU, LSU, as we know, doesn't have a big time ace, but Tigers have a good have done a good job of managing their pitching. Uh, mixing and matching, guys being assigned to different roles. And LSU, for the most part, has stayed in in just about every SEC game they've played, despite not having that big-time ace. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Jonathan Cannon, the the 1.55 ERA. In 52 and a third innings, he's only given up nine runs, and he's only walked three batters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's absolutely insane numbers. He was injured for a little – I don't know exactly the nature of his injury. I know he missed a couple of weekend starts. But he came back last weekend, uh, pitched very well against Alabama, and now he's back, uh, I would assume, at full strength uh, for the game uh, against LSU tomorrow. So, yeah, he's going to be a, a big, big-time big challenge uh, for LSU, yeah, as will the entire Georgia ball, ball club. They have, Chris Johnson mentioned yesterday they're, they're a very experienced team. Uh, their position players, their lineup, mostly older guys, guys who have been through uh, SEC seasons and, and know how to contend at, at – for SEC championships and contend for for top regional seeds. So it's a very veteran club and a club that uh, LSU will have to play well uh, in order to beat. Coach Johnson said there, there, there's some things we must do well in order to have a chance to win. And if we don't do those things well, then we're going to be in trouble. Bill, talk to me about Scott Strickland, uh, Georgia's head baseball coach. He's been there for eight years. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm looking at it. In 2020, they, were, they got as high as number two before the the covid yep. pandemic halted the season so he's had them you know on this right track for for a while yeah. now what does he do so well to keep the bulldogs up near the top in the country i think he does a great job in recruiting he really does i mean like i, I said as i said earlier georgia always has talented ball players the state of georgia itself is such a fertile ground uh, for high school baseball and, and in turn for college baseball and he annually has one of the top Recruiting, recruiting classes in the country. Uh, you know, they've been a top eight national seed in recent years, but have fallen short of making it to the College World Series. They've been upset in regionals or super regionals. In fact, uh, just three years ago, 2019, they were a top eight national seed and had a fantastic year. And they were set uh, uh, in a regional. Had they won their regional at home, they would have played host to a super regional. But LSU fans may remember that Florida State upset Georgia in the 2019 Athens Regional, LSU won its regional, so that's why Florida State, instead of LSU having to play at Georgia for a Super Regional, we played Florida State here in Baton Rouge for a Super Regional. Uh, sadly, of course, Florida State beat us, but the point is that Georgia, in, the, in recent years, has been among the, the top uh, 8 to, to 15 programs in the country, uh, always uh, in contention uh, for the top eight national seed, always in contention for a berth in the College World Series. They've fallen a little bit short in the postseason, but this appears to be another good club uh, that, that Coach Strickland has that can, can definitely contend uh, to get back to Omaha. Bill Frank, as the voice of Alex Box Stadium, has been our guest. Bill, got one more for you. Looking at the projected 
you know, field of 64. Yeah. According to D1 Baseball, it has LSU as a two seed in Stillwater with Oklahoma <laughs> State, Central Michigan, and Texas State. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems like a pretty winnable regional for the Tigers. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. You know, Oklahoma State's having a great year. I know that. Um, and we faced uh, three Big 12 teams uh, in Houston uh, back in early March. We played at the um, Shriners College Classic. And uh, we beat Oklahoma on a walk-off home run, but then we lost to Texas and Baylor, and, and Texas really has a great team. I don't know what Oklahoma State has done against Texas this year, but that might be a good gauge to, to, to know how good Oklahoma State is. But it looks like they they have a top ball club. Uh, LSU's never played in Stillwater, Oklahoma, so that would be interesting. I, lost, I, I saw one projection, maybe it was last week, that had us going to Miami yeah. as a number two seed. But, you know, actually what, what LSU wants to do, and the goal here for the next four weekends, there are only four weekends left in the SEC play, LSU wants to play itself back into that top 16, so we'll have a chance for to sure. be a host. So that's Absolutely. what we want to do right now. But you're right. I think if the season ended today, we were definitely a number two seed. We'd have to travel, no doubt about it. I think we're number 22 in the latest NCAA RPI ranking. So yeah. the idea is to play our way back into that top 16 over the next four weekends, and hopefully uh, we'll have a chance to host. If we don't, though, yeah, you certainly Stillwater would be a, would be an option and now you mentioned Texas State. If, if Texas State's the four seed, that might be pretty tough. I'm not, I, if I'm not mistaken, Texas State's having a great year as well. They are. They're they're currently 17th in the country according to D1 yeah, Baseball. Yeah. yeah. Bill, one exactly. one more for you. You know, just real quick, what's the overall health of the team? Are there any new injuries that the fans should know about? You know, nothing new. But I, I will say, Coach did say yesterday that Gavin Dugas, uh, our who was our starting left fielder. And Alex Malazzo, who was our starting catcher, you know they've both been out for a few weeks. They're, they're both definitely not going to play, which is disappointing because we could certainly use those guys. You know, just both veteran leaders. Malazzo, a great defensive catcher. Uh, Dugas uh, has an electric bat. He can <laughs> when, when he goes on a tear, he's hard to stop. So not having those two guys uh, is definitely going to be a liability. However. As you, those of you in Lafayette know, we have some young players like Andrew from Josh Stevenson from like, from Lafayette, STM product. Josh has stepped in and done a very nice job. Josh Pearson, kid from West Monroe, stepped in as a true freshman and has been very productive. So, uh, unfortunately, we're, we're short, a little short with some of our veteran players, but uh, these young guys are stepping in and, and, and doing a very good job. So, uh, yeah, Malazzo, Dugas, definitely out for the weekend. Uh, otherwise, I think the team is in pretty good shape health-wise and uh we're looking forward to what should be a great series bill frank as the voice of alex box stadium has been our guest bill appreciate the time have a great weekend at the box with lsu and georgia and uh we'll talk to you down the line all right man sounds great thanks all so much for having me today there he goes bill frank as we'll take a time out and when we return ollie cassell of the bird rights will join us to put a bow on this Pelicans season and look ahead to what should be an exciting 2022-2023 NBA season here on the Jordy Holtberg Show, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show. My name is Jordy Holtberg. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Pelicans falling to the Phoenix Suns last night, 115-109. to I mean, God, what are you going to do when a guy's a perfect 14 of 14 from the field? 
Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights joins us to discuss that and what the future is for the Pelicans organization. Ali, good afternoon, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Matt. I just left uh, the Pelicans facility where we held some exit interviews today. So I'll I'll start there. What was what was the vibe? What was the feeling like at, at these exit interviews with with these players and coaches? Incredibly and strangely positive, um, in the sense that when your season usually ends, most teams, you know, the players are very disappointed and they show it, or they don't really talk for very long, or some even, you know flat out don't talk to the media and quickly duck out, right, when they clean out their locker rooms or whatever it may be. That wasn't the case this year, not even close. Everybody was smiling, and while, of course, everybody still wanted to still be in the playoffs and keep that ride, that incredible journey going, they understand it. And so this experience, it's going to be nothing but net positive for the entire team, for a lot of these individuals who have never experienced the playoffs, right? It's an important stepping stone considering where you want this organization to go, which, of course, you think by adding Zion Williamson, it's going to be a consistent playoff uh, performer. Yeah, you know, looking at looking at this, the, the future landscape, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, you bring in Zion, you still, you're going to get that top 10 pick from the Lakers, and then you've got, you know, Jose Alvarado and Trey Murphy and Devontae Graham – you know, the future looks incredibly bright for this team. Exactly. That's something that's been missing because in the past it's either been woeful or you've just had really a handful of players that you felt good about keeping and calling it your core. That's not the case. You've already rattled off, you know, three important guys, Brandon Z and B.I. and and C.J., I mean. And also, of course, you add Jonas Valanciunas. He's just as core as they are. So that's four-fifths of your starting lineup. Now – Talk about the three rookies. They played huge minutes in in the playoffs. That is so rare to see, especially for a playoff team. So you feel good about them being a part of the foundation, and you might as well extend that, right, to several other guys, including, say, Larry Nance, who I thought was sensational, right? You need that versatile, smaller big that can do a lot of things for you out there on the court. You mentioned Devontae Graham. It would be nice to see him have a bounce-back campaign. There's Najee Marshall, great defender, who says he's going to work on his shot a ton. And I think biggest of all, the biggest X factor will be uh, Jackson Hayes, right? He just finished his third year, and while he was inconsistent, we saw a lot bigger flashes from him. So you're looking like there are over 10 players that you can count on being in Willie's rotation if the front office keeps things the same. And Herb Jones also. Yeah, I said three rookies, so I'm sorry. Herb was counted. I just didn't say him by name. (laughs) And, you know, Ollie, after the game last night, Willie Green was was obviously emotional as he as he hugged both Monty Williams and Chris Paul. Did did he talk about that in, in the post game press conference as to you know what made him so emotional? Yeah, he he did mention that. He talked about how it was it was the moment that he kind of got up in, but he wasn't ashamed, right? He's like I have no problem showing my emotions. I'm proud of what we accomplished and of who I am, um, and that's of course being that genuine individual who doesn't hide from anything or to anybody. And then he also went to say that he afterwards talked to Money Williams in, in the hallways, right, something we no, none of us saw. So it just goes to show that, honestly, they are like brothers, that what he, uh, his two years in Phoenix truly did touch his heart and vice versa. So they built something special there. And now, of course, 
he's got something special here in New Orleans. And I think that's the biggest key, and that's what he's harped on the most, is he's taken all these experiences he's had and tried to put it into this team and this franchise. And you can't complain about just his first rookie year uh, accomplishments. This team, for as poorly as they started to enjoy as much success as they had, for that locker room to be as united as they have been, it's just incredible. There are normally never any stories like this every year in the NBA. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Looking at the statistics from last night, chatting with Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights, you know, New Orleans didn't play poorly. Shot the ball 50% from the field. You were 33% from three. You turned the ball over 17 times. But the the storyline last night, I mean, when Chris Paul shoots a perfect 14 of 14, it, it's kind of hard to win a basketball game. Yeah, I mean, look, Pels fans saw what he did in two other games. Games one and three, where his fourth quarter has really won the game for the Suns. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If the Suns don't enjoy so many spectacular moments and just were more ordinary, right? Say Chris Paul doesn't go off as much as he did and Mikael Bridges doesn't have his spectacular game five, I think we're easily looking at a game seven, if not maybe more. Correct. But you're right. When it comes to the playoffs, Matt, you've got to be better. And so, to me, those 17 turnovers do stand out because I know they do for Monty and all those players. Or, excuse me, for Willie. Here I am thinking about Monty Williams. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you've just got to be better. I mean, if Chris Paul is going to rise the occasion, well, guess what? That's what the playoffs demand. So, I think the Pelicans learned that. They can't have 11 second-half turnovers and thereby throw away almost a game because, let's face it, they were up by 10 at halftime. They probably yep. feel like in their gut they should have won that game. Yep, agreed. Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights has been our guest. Ali, I hate to cut it short, but we're we're running out of time here in hour number one. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, my friend. I hear you, buddy. There's going to be a lot to talk about about this team in the future for sure. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hour number one, over and done. We'll see you in hour number two on the other side of this sports update on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. Hour number two of two here on the Jordy Holberg Show. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We, we've talked a lot about the Saints. We've talked some LSU baseball. We've talked some Pelicans. Now we're going to talk even more New Orleans Saints because the NFL draft is just the main topic of conversation and on everybody's minds here to do it with us from the athletic is mr larry holder larry good afternoon how are you i'm good how are you today i'm doing well man i'm doing well i am over the moon excited about who the 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 saints were able to to snag up last night i was a little nervous for for a bit that they were gonna for for lack of better words they were gonna new orleans saints it (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I, look, I, I feel like that the Saints were approaching this draft kind of like the way uh, and they saw what worked in, in 2017, which is why they have two first-round picks. And, I, yeah, when, when they got 
both of those first-round picks. I didn't assume that they would use both of them to jump up and only take one player. I think they wanted to take two players, and so that's what they did. And I, for me, I, I, throughout the week, I've been kind of getting some, um, some intel that wide receiver that there would be a run on them. So then all of a sudden, the Saints needed to jump up and, and make a trade. And so they went and got Chris Alave. And he's someone who's actually been kind of connected to the Saints even before he uh, last season. Uh, people thought maybe he would declare and he stayed. But uh, he's someone who I feel like fits the Saints with what they did. And I don't feel like uh, that they gave up too much for him. I know some people are like, well, they give up three picks to move up five spots, but it's still, I, I feel like that that was a move that they needed to happen just because, if you saw it, I mean, the Lions moved up right back after and took Jamison Williams, and the top four receivers were gone after 12 picks. Right. I don't think the Saints felt like they wanted to be in, in that situation. Yeah, I mean, they were going to get left out if they stayed at 16. Yeah, for, oh, it, well, it, it, with a receiver that would fit them and work, yes. Now, maybe like if they really liked, uh, you know, Traylon Burks from from Arkansas, then they would have stood pat. But I think uh, there was a clear kind of demarcation spot, top four receivers, and I feel like that teams are starting for sure to draft receivers because they've now seen the price tag jump for receivers in terms of veteran receivers, how much it would cost. I mean, look. A.J. Brown got a huge contract to get traded. Uh, and so it's. I think the Saints, what they had to do, they had to do, and they did it. Yeah, no, no question about it. That was going to be my next question, and did you agree with the move up? But yeah, obviously you've already answered that. You, you, were, you were in agreement. Now, looking at Chris Olave's draft profile, his prospect grade was a 6.43, which in the NFL means he'll be a good starter within two years. Where do, do you find him automatically stepping into that number two role, or do, do you think it, it's more of a development type thing? If you're drafted that high, you're starting right away. I, I think that's just the way it's going to be. And you look at the way he's used and, and his size, like he's six foot, but a little smaller, like 187. Mm-hmm. Definitely can fly, runs a, a 439 in the 40. And his production, it's. Uh, I just looked at it in terms of touchdowns. And like, they, they spread the ball out he's been at Ohio State. But, I mean, he had 35 career touchdowns, and yet he had 13 last year, which means he was productive his entire career at Ohio State. So I feel like that's something that the Saints are going to want to use right away. And you look at the receiving core, I mean, it's basically the same – cast of characters uh, with Michael Thomas coming back, and it's the same group. I mean, they brought Traquan Smith back. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Marquez Callaway and, and, and Deontay Harris, or uh, Deontay Hardy, uh, as he's going by now. And so it's still, it's they needed someone who they knew was going to be there long-term, and Alave is now going to be there long-term. Chat with Larry Holder from The Athletic. He covers the Saints here on the Jordy Holtberg Show. Now let's talk about Trevor Penning. You know, this was a guy that I've had my eyes on for, for a long time as a, as a great fit for the New Orleans Saints. 
Where do you, where do you stand on, on the Northern Iowa offensive tackle? Well, I figured he would be on the radar. I don't think there's any question about that. And I almost feel like the Saints are a little bit fortunate that he fell to 19. Uh, I, I just knew that the top three tackles would probably be off the board. I was wondering what the Chargers would do because I could tell you they needed a right tackle uh, big time. And so Saints kind of gambled there. And, look, he is a left tackle. Look, he made 31 starts. Uh, I think he made two other starts somewhere else. He made 31 starts at left tackle during his career. And so I, I do feel like, though, there were there were people who were wondering, hey, well, his competition, Northern Iowa. But, no, he played really well at the Senior Bowl, and I think that's kind of where he kind of popped out. And so I think that's, that's someone. And I, I do not anticipate – say, Ryan Ramchek moving from right to left. I think Penning is their left tackle. Ramchek is their right tackle. Now, I'm wondering if he has to win the job, which is probably true. I mean, if Hurst is playing better, then maybe they put James Hurst there. But you're drafting Penning 19 overall to be a starter immediately. And I, I would assume that that is going to happen. Now, you know, look, looking ahead to tonight and tomorrow, Saints have one pick tonight, one pick tomorrow as of now. Where, what do you think their plan is? Do you think they plan to maybe move up again or get some picks in the third and fourth round? What's, what's going to happen tonight? I think moving up is probably not going to happen just because they basically used all their assets to move up last night. So they at least, though, have pick tonight second round, and I would assume, and it kind of lines up to uh, what we have been uh, kind of reporting at The Athletic uh, in terms of draft rankings and things uh, with our draft guru, uh, E. Brugler, that uh, someone like Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, a safety, would make sense there. I mean, he would be someone who would come in, probably replace Malcolm Jenkins since he retired, uh, so he's not a free safety. He's more of a brisker I'm talking about. is more of a strong safety. So I think that would go in line with what they want. Now, it's going to be – I'm curious to see if, you know, if he's there. And I'm not anticipating a quarterback in the second round. I know they've got big names that are coming out. Second round, you still got Malik Willis, Matt Corral. Uh, you got uh, Sam Howell. Uh, you got Desmond Ritter. I think that the Saints will still try to get someone that can play for them now as opposed to taking a, like someone, uh, one of those quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think quarterback is in, is in the cards this season. Uh, I think that's more of a move that they might look at for the 2023 draft. Larry Holder from The Athletic is our guest. Larry, Jane, Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew – Still haven't been signed by anybody. Still sitting out there in free agency. What is is there still any traction there for for the Saints bringing either one of those local kids back to New Orleans? Well, the fact that they drafted Olave and uh, that might discount Landry. I'm not going to say totally, but to me, Landry would make sense. But I think that's uh, Landry's probably going to check out his roadmap what teams actually need wide receivers. Uh, but I would not – look, I would discount either one of them, but 
it's really, uh, you know, I just brought up uh, Jaquan Brisker. Mm-hmm. Like, if they don't take a safety in this trap, that might open the door again for someone like Tyron Matthew. And uh, I, uh, both would fit with the Saints. It's just, it's more to me about price. And I think the Saints are trying not to uh, kind of break the bank with everything and be up against the cap like they always have been. They're trying to kind of reverse that a little bit. But I'm I'm not going to say yes, but I'm not going to say no. I'm sorry. I'm I'm being very no. That's here. that's fair. <laughs> that that's fair. That's a uh, that, that's a valid answer because it, it it is unknown right now. You know, obviously the door's still open, but. It all kind of depends on, on what's going to happen over the next 48 hours. Right, yeah. That's why I was, I'm definitely not closing it. But it depends on it depends on other teams. I mean, if, if the fits are right. I mean, it's not like they uh, uh, either play or uh, wouldn't work with New Orleans. But I think it, it depends on situations elsewhere. If other teams have. But it, it, at, at that point in their career, I, like, I, I feel like, look, Tyron Matthews won a Super Bowl. So maybe he's not chasing a ring. Jarvis Landry has not. So maybe he is chasing a ring. So I feel like that there are variables outside of kind of their hometown ties. But I do feel like that that does matter. Now, Jameis Winston, what what's the latest you've heard or, or been told about his recovery? Where is he at in the process? He seems like he's going to be ready to go. I mean, that's uh, that's all indications that I've gotten. So... I also think that that's part of the reason why, if he wasn't ready to go, a they would not have resigned him uh, to okay money, not great money, but okay money. And also, they did not take a quarterback in the draft, but they also kind of covered their butts by signing Andy Dalton. I mean, he's a viable quarterback, and so. But I do feel like that, and even Andy said this when he first got signed by the Saints: like this is. Jameis's job. They they figure Jameis will be ready. They just don't want to get to a point where if Jameis did get hurt, then they're stuck with playing Taysom Hill or uh, you know Trevor Simeon or uh, you know Ian Book. So I, I feel like they basically just prepared themselves for that. But I do feel like that Jameis will be ready to go. And then my last question for you, Larry, the in, in the draft last night, thirty two picks. Nine trades, you know, there was, I can't even remember how many teams had multiple draft picks. What was your biggest surprise uh, of the first round last night? I would say, hmm, that's a good question. I think even number one, I think that pick, I'm not going to say it was a surprise, but I question Travon Walker being the pick for Jacksonville just because, I feel like they would have been better off taking a tackle. I mean, I know they resigned uh, Cam Robinson right before the draft. He was on the franchise tag, and then they gave him a three-year deal. I mean, to me, I think he's just okay. Uh, you know, at, at right tackle, uh, it's a uh, Jawan Taylor. He, he's oh, he's okay. Might actually be nice. Uh, like I don't think he's great. So I felt like that protecting Trevor Lawrence would have been a huge thing for me. So I'm, I'm, it's not even whether it's between Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. I was just thinking that maybe they should have gone tackle. 
Yeah, that that's what I thought. That's what I was thinking. I mean, you draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall last year, and then you're back at number one. You, you might want to find a way to protect him. Uh, that was that was my thought. Well, you also got a new coach. Right, <laughs> the coach might have been a problem why they why they were number one too. Uh, we we uh, uh, us at the Athletic did a huge uh, expose on the uh, the wrongs of Urban Meyer. So yeah, it's uh, that might have been part of it as well. That's true. That's true. Larry Holder of the Athletic has been our guest. Larry, great work as always. Appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Yep, you got it. Thanks for having me, Larry Holder of the athletic we'll take a time out when we come back we'll update the poll question and a little bit later in the show fridays with faust why not do fridays with faust on a friday am i right here on the jordy holtberg show this is the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history april 29th 1980 The New Orleans Saints selected Colorado offensive tackle Stan Brock with the first selection of that NFL's draft. Brock would play 13 seasons with the franchise. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard's has some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled seafood, fried and grilled seafood, pole boys, and a full seafood buffet. Go sign up for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. So the Jordy Holtberg show here on the game, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns baseball team is in beautiful Boone, North Carolina for a three-game set with App State. First game in that series is at 5 o'clock today. And then the Raging Cajuns softball team is at home for their final set of home games of this season. They will play a three-game set against Coastal Carolina one game tonight and two tomorrow. So with a lot of Cajuns athletics going on, a lot of things to talk about, it only means one thing. It is time for Fridays with Faust. There's no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY sports director George Faust. It's time for Fridays with Faust here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Caleb Y sports director George Faust joins us. George, happy Friday. What's going on, my man? Oh, man, all day out at the softball field right now. Uh, high school state championships going on. I've been here since 1 o'clock. Just watched Dominican lose to uh, St. Joe's. Uh, then I'm, I'm waiting on STM. They're about to play at four and, uh, Notre Dame plays at seven. So, uh, just kind of killing time. Yeah. I'll be, I'll, I'll be out there at seven to cover the, uh, the Notre Dame game as well as Opelousas Catholic. So, uh, I guess I'll see you in a couple hours. Yeah. I'll be here for a little bit. I, I got to get back to go do the 10 o'clock news, but yeah, we'll, we'll be out here for, uh, 
a long day today, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I could I could about imagine. Let's talk about this this Cajuns baseball team getting ready to play a three game set with App State. Now, looking at the statistics, App State is not that great. Uh, they have they have struggled mightily throughout the season. However, Boone is a difficult place to go play. It is a small environment. The altitude gets to you. You know what? The Cajuns riding a, a three-game sweep of Georgia State into this one. But again, no midweek game could come back to haunt them with the amount of rest that they've gotten this week. Where do you think this series stands this weekend? Uh, I, I think the Cajuns have a great opportunity in front of them and their ability to take advantage of that opportunity uh, will will uh, will heavily determine how they how they move forward. I, I really I don't I don't think with regards to the the break I think it's actually probably a good thing because you have to travel that far. It's kind of a pain in the neck to get to Boone, North Carolina. Uh, so so when you when you factor in you know uh, the travel and the, the, the wear and tear that that takes on your body, not having a midweek game might have been a blessing in disguise and I think that's kind of why they set it up that way to be honest with you because then you don't have to you know you're not taxing your team on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and then turning around on Thursday and getting heck out of Dodge to to get up the boon but uh I I I I like the way this team is playing right now you know they they have uh with regards to to hitting I mean and this is this is one of the most explosive teams that we've gotten a chance to see uh, in, in recent years with Cajun baseball. So I, 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 the way they swing the stick is, is quite impressive to me. Carson Rockerford, uh, TR, uh, Tyler Robertson, uh, just the, the, the guys that continually contribute in this, in this, uh, in this lineup, they're, they're fun to watch. And I think they're, they, they have a mission, right? I mean, Monday, Coach uh, Deggs was talking about, uh, hey, you know, we we have we got to go finish this. We uh, you know, let's let's take care of business. We we're in a good position, but we got to keep winning. So, uh, I like their I like their chances in Boone. I I think they're they're playing their best ball at the best part of the year at the right time of the year, and uh, you know, I think that's that's where they're going to be. And and I I fully expect them to come out with a series win. Uh, maybe because it's on the road, I don't know if they'll get the sweep, but uh, I fully expect a, a series win from the Cajuns against uh, against App State. Yeah, you know, you're talking about you're talking about the Cajuns' ability to swing the stick. Looking at the statistics, they've got six guys hitting 250 plus. Three of those are 300 plus, with Carson Rockefort leading the way at a whopping 360 in 136 plate appearances. I mean, he has just been. Mr. Reliable, Johnny on the spot, day in and day out for this team. He's been phenomenal all year long. And, and when you have guys like that that you can consistently count on, then, uh, you know, he kind of can set the tone for the rest of the lineup. And that seems to be what they've been doing. George, let's transition to, to softball now. Uh, Cajun softball, more specifically, 35 and 11, 17 and 4 in the Sun Belt. Keeping that crazy Sun Belt series streak alive, I think it's at seventy-one games now. They've got a they've got a good test against a, a pretty good Coastal Carolina team at home this weekend for for Senior Weekend. It, it's around that time of the season where you know RPI kind of starts to matter even more so than it than it does early on. 
winning these three games and then the, the three against ULM and Monroe next weekend, how far do you think these six games go into their, their Sunbelt Conference tournament run? Well, I think, I think in the tournament run, I think they'll be able to, to, to sustain that, uh, with, with regards, with, with, you know, regardless of what, of what they do in these last what, six games or whatever. I, I feel like that, that Houston win to me says a lot. The win they got on Wednesday night, uh, against Houston at Lamson. I, I think the biggest thing that, that impressed me about that is, you know, they, they played, the way we expected them to play a little earlier in the year, that that was the most impressive thing to see. And now, see, it's kind of the same kind of storyline with regards to baseball. They're playing some really good softball right now, are the Cajuns at this juncture when they kind of need to step it up. They have the, the they have these what last six games, like you said, and I, I fully expect them to win the next six. Like, with regards to the talent level that they have, as opposed to the competition. It should be, you know, you should be able to put it in the bag. But everything, you know, you got to be careful when you talk like that because you never know. It's conference games, it's rival games. Those always seem to kind of, you know, go different ways just because of the, the, the rivalry atmosphere of it. But in, in general, this team is setting themselves up for a great postseason run. Um, RPI wise, you know they're they're doing. I don't know that it'll have much effect on their RPI, just because it's it's Sunbelt, uh, the Sunbelt in general. They, now, with regards to, I mean, Sunbelt can prove they'll probably have a couple of teams in uh, in the tournament if everything works out. But it's usually, uh, you know, and it's always been tough for the Cajuns, even when they win the tournament, to, to take care of to, to get a a really solid. Um, RPI and, and ranking, and, and so they'll, they'll 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 be fine. They'll finish out this season, and then they'll get to a regional, and we'll see what happens once they get to that four that uh, that four regional, and uh, and hopefully they can you know surprise some people because I think they're really young right now, and uh, and to get to a regional would be quite an achievement. To do anything past that would be uh, would be spectacular. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. George Faust, K- Caleb Y Sports Director, is our guest. George, I got one more for you. Give me your opinion on night one of the NFL draft, especially the Saints, and, and what you think they're going to do in, in night two. A couple Cajuns still on the board. You're right, right. Yeah, look, I, 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 it's funny because I have a group of guys that we text with, a bunch of my friends, and we text, and they're all freaking out because they, you know, they did exactly what I expected them to do, you know. Uh, you know, we knew they needed a wide receiver. They wanted a wide receiver. Uh, maybe by getting the Ohio State wide receiver, you know, you maybe you, you calm a little Michael Thomas drama, and maybe he enjoys having a guy that you know he can relate to, and uh, <laughs> on the team, and maybe Michael Thomas doesn't doesn't his persona doesn't become such a uh, uh, a downfall for him with regards to. You know his the way Saints fans seem to view him at the moment. Um, I, so I wasn't surprised by that wide receiver pick. With, uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised that they traded up to get him because there was a ton of wide receivers available. Uh, but it, you know, maybe they knew they knew something that we didn't know. Like maybe at 12, you know, somebody was going to take him before they picked at 16. So they traded up. That trading up is fine. It's, it is what it is. 
uh, you still got a wide receiver. You address the need. And then the second pick, obviously, uh, Trevor uh, 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 Penny, I think is his name. I, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh, but, yeah, he, he – uh, Offensive lineman, another another need for the Saints, and that's that's exactly what they, you know, what we expected them to do, right? I mean, that's that's. I have no problems with the with the way they drafted out, and uh, and I, I'm okay with that. I think it's it's they did what they needed to do, and what we all have been saying from the start. What we've all been saying is, that, you know, hey, they need wide receiver, need offensive line, you know, and the, you know they they got a lot of great players still on the board. I mean, you still have a lot of good quarterbacks on the board, and you know, like Matt Corral's still around. I think Matt Corral's going to be one of the one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Not just saying that because he goes, he graduated from Ole Miss, but I I do believe that you know there's a lot of hype surrounding Malik Willis. I I, I just I mean I don't know I, I I maybe I'm missing something when I watch the tape of that guy. I'm not too, that that doesn't but. I think that I don't. I don't know that he's as good as people are making him out to be. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, it's been happening before. One other time, I was wrong. It, it happened. Right. But, uh, just once. O- only <laughs> once. Right. Right. That's right. KLFY Sports Director George Faust has been our guest. George, appreciate you taking the time. Stay, stay cool out there. Obviously, uh, very hot outside today, and. Uh, We'll talk to you down the line, my friend. Sounds good, man. I was I was actually about to I was napping off when y'all called me, so I was like, "Oh, I got to do this." All right, that's right. I'm, I'm sitting under an umbrella waiting for the games to start. So uh, it's gonna be fun out here. It's a lot of lot of action out here in Broussard. So uh, state championship, select state championships going on. So uh, looking forward to that. So that's where I'm at right now. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you, George. Tune in next week to Jordy Holdberg for Fridays with Faust here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's take a quick update of the poll question before we head to a timeout. What is your favorite draft snack? Is it wings, nachos, chips and dip, or other So we already talked about Steve Flint's comment about crawfish. Chico Rodriguez chimes in and says, finger damn sandwiches. That man likes finger sandwiches. Uh, I mean, I'm a finger sandwich guy, so I I don't disagree with him. And then uh, on Facebook, our man Martin chimes in and says, beer and lots of it to calm my nerves. Plus the sight of Roger Goodell just makes me want to drink. Ha ha. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. Let's take a time out, and when we return, we'll talk more NFL draft, LSU baseball, and the hotline is open, 706-0111. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, 
The best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Greater Acadiana Heart Walk will take place tomorrow at River Ranch. The festivities will begin at 8 a.m. and the non-competitive walk begins at 9.15. For more information, visit greateracadianaheartwalk.org or contact Donna Ashcraft at donna.ashcraft at heart.org. Welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on this beautiful, glorious, amazing Friday after the Saints finally drafted correctly. First time in my life, I do believe. That, that's a stretch. 2011 was the last time that they drafted the first round correctly. Not 2017? I mean, yeah. You only had one <laughs> you only had, you only had one pick in that first round though. No, no you had Marshawn and Ryan Ramchek. They yeah. They, yeah. Ramchek wasn't the second rounder? No, he was oh, at the end of the first. Okay, okay. First so round. so okay. The the first one since 2017. It's been 5 years. And that's 5 years too long. You you finally did exactly what you were supposed to. You went get a receiver that you were desperately lacking, and then you went get a left tackle to fill in for Teron Armstead. And you didn't give up hardly anything. Once again, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, let's bring in our man George Becknell like we do every Friday. George, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Hey, what's up, Matt? How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Again, like I said, Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, th- these were two guys that I said last week on the show that if we if we got both of them, I would buy both of their jerseys. Okay. So, so it looks like you spent two hundred bucks, buddy. Well, not yet. I- I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna buy the first round jerseys with the number one on them. Those are those are pointless. Okay, you can wait till they assign numbers. Correct. Correct. I, I'm, I'm not mad at you, man, but I, I like the picks too. I think I think, you know, I was scared that they was going to, you know, buy into the whole we need a quarterback thing. They only signed Jameis for two years, but Chris Olave was exactly what I wanted at number one. And good old Pancake Penning. Pancake I, I'm glad Penning. that uh, that they got him because the Saints need a left tackle, man. But that says a lot. It says they, they're going to win now. And uh, instead of like trying to build for the future, and I, I like that move. I think that's exactly what Dennis Allen needs. And they got they got the solid coaching staff from last year. I'm super excited. So I'm with you in the sense that yes, they got this draft right. Yeah, because I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited. Let, let, let's let's be real. The, the Saints didn't need many pieces. No, they didn't. You just needed to fill a few holes, and then you're you're back in contention. Mm-hmm. To to win the NFC, and I think they did that. Now, I I do, and James, I'll bring you in on this one. Do you see the Saints? They love the third round. They gave up their third round pick last night. Do you see them trading back into the third round tonight? I could see it. I I think what they could do is trade, like next year's like fourth and fifth, to get into the third round this year, or trade. A third and like a six, and then also get an extra fifth in return, something yeah. like that. I, I could see them doing that. That way, they still get like five people instead of only yeah. having a very small draft cost of like three or four. George, what about you? I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it for the simple fact that they got what they needed. 
you know, um, everything else at this point is, is Lanyap. You know, um, maybe maybe you get a good backup running back um, at some point, especially since you don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara because he may be suspended, he may not be. But I think if you're the New Orleans Saints here, you know, your wide receiver core was depleted. Michael Thomas is not healthy. You also picked up Chris Olave. You needed an offensive lineman. You lost to Ron Armstead. You got you got uh you got Pancake Penning. So now you got a squad that without a injury to your quarterback and a COVID, you know, game that should have been postponed, you still win nine games last year and Tampa Bay can't beat you. So I think right now, even you got to be satisfied with where the Saints are. They already traded their first round pick for next year. They already lost some picks, you know, for next year as well, you know, in the later rounds for next year. I don't think, I think you come out of this, you got what you needed. Just you're built to win now. I don't, I think you just let the chips fall where they may and, and don't trade back. You got a fourth rounder, you got a, you got a second rounder and you're good. I don't. I don't think they need to trade into the third round. George, in your mind, who had who had the best night of of night one of the NFL draft? The best night of night one. I think uh, that's a tough one. It might be the Saints because the Saints got two guys in the first round that could come in and and contribute instantly and contribute at what they need. Because if you have a note, like let's be honest, this wasn't this wasn't really a, a sexy draft, right? Like the Giants had two picks. They got uh Thibodeau from Oregon and you got then you got an offensive tackle, which you need an offensive tackle. But you know, all the does that make the Giants a playoff contender? No. You know, you you look at some of these other teams, yeah, you got some guys with some steals, but I think it has to be the Saints because the Saints address address two glaring needs and out of all the teams with two first round picks, I think they did the best. So, you know, I hate to be a homer, but I got to go with the Saints on this one. James, what about you? To me, it's got to be the Jets. I think the fact that they, to me, they, they get a grade A for each of the players. They got, in my eyes, the third or fourth best edge rusher and they traded back to traded back into the first round to get him. They got arguably the number one or number two receiver in the draft. And they also got a premier corner and arguably the best corner in the draft in Sauce Gardner. So the fact that you've upgraded three of your positions, I think that's really good. I, I got to give that an A or an A+. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, James. The, the Jets just being able to get Sauce Gardner, being able to get Garrett Wilson, and then... You get Jermaine Johnson at 26, who some guys had in their top 10 on the draft board. So, I mean, to be able to get a, a top 10 talent in some people's eyes at, at 26, I mean, that's a hell of a move. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a hell of a move. Um, and, and I guess in and if you're only basing it on what they did in the draft – I see where you where you guys are coming from. I still think the Jets is not going to be a good football team. Well, I, I don't. With everything I don't. I don't think the I don't think they'll make the playoffs because I'm not huge on Zach Wilson. But I think the fact that they were able to upgrade so many other positions other than QB, like sure. will will help them get to six, seven wins as opposed to 
them picking in the top five again. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of winning that's three fair. or four wins. That's that's definitely fair. I yeah, agree with that. That's true. That's true. All right, guys, one more, one more for you. Um tonight, who who is your who is your surprise pick? Who's gonna get drafted that throws everybody for a loop? Yeah, let's see. That's that is a that is a tough one. Yeah, you did. Um, you did throw me for a loop for that one. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I was. I was not. I'll, I'll tell one. you. I'll, I'll tell you mine, and then this might sound a little biased, but I think Max get? Mitchell is going to the third round. The offensive tackle really? from Louisiana. I think he's going to go in the third round. He he peaked up. Okay. He peaked up a lot of draft boards after the Senior Bowl, and then he he had a good combine showing as well. I, I think there's going to be a team in the third round that that realizes what he can bring early on. And they're gonna think he's worth a third round pick, and so that that's that's, that's my that's surprise. I, could, I, I tell you, I tell you who gets drafted Saturday that nobody's talking about, and it's a familiar name. Um, I don't know if you guys remember D. Anderson. Yeah, from uh, from LSU. He's yep. uh he he played at, he played at Alabama State last year. He did good in the uh, in the HBCU All Star game. He's been he's had a, he had an amazing pro day. He's a big receiver that can move very very fast. Don't be surprised if he goes Saturday and nobody's talking about him. I could see John Mechie going in the second. Tonight? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I could see him going in the second. Ooh. Interesting. And also, I, what, I could man, see. If he does, you'll be a genius. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, uh, 50th pick. Boom. That's the one. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Don't even know who's going to be the 50th because you never know with these trades, but whoever oh, picks man. 50, that's the one. George Becknell has been our guest here on this Friday edition of the Jordy Holtberg Show. George, appreciate you taking the time. Have a hell of a weekend. Pleasure, Enjoy bro. the draft, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, we'll do, man. Y'all have a good one. We'll take a time out. We'll come back, wrap up this edition of the Jordy Holtberg Show, and we'll get you ready for two hours of crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Four hours of Matt and James. Not a bad Friday afternoon. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, that's a bop. That is a bop. Today is the day that you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free, but you will get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. James Mesh, please tell the folks when they should go sign up. Right this moment. Right now. Oh, yeah. Right now. Right now. Not not in five minutes. Not if in an hour. If you're on the road, I literally want you to park to the side. Pull over. Pull over. Take you two minutes. It's very easy. Not, ask, maybe not even that much. It might not even just take you depend, that long. It yeah. just depends on your cell signal. It, it's it's pretty crazy how, how easy it is and how many free things you can win in the game clubhouse. Like that Astros weekend giveaway. We're, we're, we're giving people hangout music fest passes. We've given away cars. We've given away... Plenty of tickets. Boiling... Crawfish. crawfish boiling 
like, supplies. We give you the whole shebang. Right. You yeah, just we, have to take it. We we are giving people. We're just asking you to put yourself in the running for it. Welcome back to the Jordy Holberg Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. James, I, I didn't get to ask your opinion on the Pelicans uh, falling last night, 115 to 109. Interesting to hear from Ali Cassell, though, about how upbeat exit interviews went today. It, it, it's nice to know that the players truly understand that this wasn't a this year thing, it's a next year thing. They definitely understood that they weren't supposed to be there. They willed themselves, and through all the adversity, they were actually able to get that far and they actually like went to toe-to-do and actually made it a series with the Suns mm-hmm. when most people like me thought they were done in four. I thought maybe a gentleman sweep if the Suns were nice enough. Did Devin Booker's injury kind of open up things? Yeah, it did. But injuries are part of the game. The Pelicans never had Zion all year. Were they able to get over at a certain point and they were able to pick themselves up? Yeah. But like I said, this was actually a successful season. I didn't, yeah. to me, I was on the fence. I didn't think it was at all. Then they got themselves into play in contention. And then they actually won the play in and then got to go toe to toe with the Suns. That to me showed that there's a lot of good signs. They're not down in the dumps about it, they're excited what they can do next year. And they have a whole offseason to reload. And retool. So there's a lot of good. I'm definitely on the side of Ollie and the optimism. What do you think is going to happen this offseason? I think you got you got to get another guard for sure. You have to get another guard. Whether it's a more traditional point guard or more of a true point guard because CJ did play point guard before, but and he knows how to handle the ball. That's why you saw him play point, especially in the playoffs. But getting one more, having Jose be your number two point. If you're able to move on from Devontae Graham, which we will talk about that, I would say, on Monday, we could talk about the Pelicans' future with crunch time. Yeah, I say move on from Devontae, get a, another guard, and get yourself a, another big and another wing. And, th- and this, this team could actually make a, a nice run. Plenty of opportunities with that top 10 pick coming from the Lakers in the NBA draft this summer. Future's bright for the Pelicans. B.I.C.J., Zion, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes, Jose Alvarado. I could go on and on, but you get my point. Big thanks to Bill Frankes, Larry Holder, Ali Cassell, George Faust, and George Becknell for hanging out on this Friday edition of the Jordy Holberg Show. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Jordy will be back on Monday. The Blonde Bomber returns. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.